All right, let's do this. Peanut, if you're staying in the room, no talking. Hello, and welcome to the Photo Work Podcast, the talky and touchy-feely version of my book, Photo Work, 40 Photographers on Process and Practice. Hello, everyone. I'm Sasha Wolf recording from the Bearsville Theater in Woodstock, New York. And I'm joined, as usual, by my good friend and my producer. <laughs> I mean, I, the pathetic thing is that, like, I wasn't planning on making a joke. And yet, even up until the end, I was just hoping something was going to come to me. And sadly, it didn't. So oh. I'm sorry, Michael Chauvin Dalton, Michael Chauvin Dalton, Michael Chauvin Dalton. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Uh, apparently not very funny, but I'm, um, I'm fine. I'm fine. But, uh, it's hard to be funny when you're frozen. <laughs> That's true. It is. It is. It is hard to be funny when you're frozen. How's everything down down your way? You know, doing all right. I uh, yesterday I had a, a pretty busy day, uh, both uh, you know, in the dark room with my photo one on one students, and then over to the gallery to install our first in person show since the pandemic. So it had a, a, a just a hint of normalcy, but nice. of course, you know, still have to uh, arrange everything with security and wear masks and uh, eat lunch in the car and everything else. But um, but yes, yeah. there were parts that felt pretty good. Good. I mean, it's really, I mean, I fully get now that, you know, we're going to really slow roll into normalcy. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? We are going to slow, slow roll into normalcy. Um, yeah, it's not going to be a wake up one day and, or even one month, frankly. It's just little by little by little by little, I guess. Yeah, you just hope that they somehow figure out the you know this vaccine rollout where it's we're not all broken into to categories and you know you, you could just make an appointment yeah, and get one I know the vaccine thing is you know I'm seeing you know a lot of vaccine envy going around now and who's getting vaccinated and yes. the sort of <laughs> slightly haphazard nature of of the whole thing but um anyway happy for people who have been vaccinated yes. that's right well Oh, let me just mention once again uh, and thank the Aperture Foundation. Uh, we have our coupon code for our listeners. So if you go to Aperture, uh, when you go to check out, use the code PHOTOWORK30, you will get 30% off books. So a continued yeah. great deal. You know, I wanted to ask you how you were doing uh, because I know uh, since we've started this show, uh, you've picked up some business. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've definitely picked up some business, thank God, because that's how I make a living. But I think what you're hinting at is, <laughs> yeah, so I did, I, I announced this over the past few weeks, um, but I've started, yeah, I started officially working with representing both Christine Potter and Danielle Bowman, two people who Yay. have been on the show. Yeah, thank that's you. That's so great. You. Yeah, it's super exciting. Christine and I have been talking about working together for a long time, so things sort of just came together, and I, I'm i over the moon, uh, really just so, so thrilled. And mm -hmm. then, you know, I met Danielle Bowman 
when, you know, she won the Aperture Portfolio Prize last year, and I sort of uh, got to know her a little bit around the time that, you know, we arranged for her to be on the podcast. And then I just, I was so fond of her. I I like her so much, and I believe in her work so much. And so, yes, I brought her on board, and, and I'm, listen, you know, it's a great honor for me uh, anytime an artist, you know, wants to work with me. And so I'm, I'm just, I, I, you know, and when it's people who I, I also really, really like being around. Well, that that's part of your model. And we've had yeah. discussions about that. But, it, you know, at some point, I think we could have a, a whole conversation about what your conversations are like when, when you approach someone and and how that oh definitely you know, works out. Yeah, yeah that's a great idea yeah definitely uh, that's that's a really good idea Michael maybe um, sometime in the next month we'll do a show and and we can really get into that because I know people our listeners will probably be pretty curious about that and I'll talk to Christine and Danielle and make sure they're okay with me sharing those conversations and um, mm-hmm. and and we can get into it but anyway it is really exciting. And I'm actually heading back to the city uh, next week after sort of living up here for the past five months. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I mean, I just have so much work right now. Knock wood. I'm, I'm, I've got a lot going on. Chris Graves and I are working on a big portfolio project, and between that and other, you know, the normal amount of of book projects and and projects with other artists, and then Danielle and Christine. You know, one of the things I have at home that I don't have here, and this artists will understand what I'm about to say, the importance of this, is I have huge, huge work tables. And mm. I need that space. I need to spread out. I need to be looking at prints. I just need all that that space. I just got a lot going on. I'm really thrilled about, but it, it's easier for me to, to work. From home. Well, we definitely want to. Uh, I want to include that in that conversation about about how you even look at the work, because I know people who like stacks, and I know I know people who like looking at everything all at once, kind of spread out, uh, especially when laying out books, things like that. So that's yeah. that's an inter- that's a yeah. good conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. No, yeah. and I, I can definitely talk about like bringing new artists on and how to get them integrated, and how I learn about their work, mm-hmm. and and so that I feel I can really stand up for it when I'm talking to to clients about it. and But anyway, it's a very exciting time. I'm thrilled. And, you know, I have very mixed feelings about going home. Not sure how long I'll be there, but right. I'll be back up here again. It's, it's my sort of second home, but I think I'm basically going home more or less you know, <laughs> returning. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well, I bet. Uh, I bet Bearsville is really nice when it's warm out too. <laughs> yes, yes, it is really nice when it's warm out. Uh, I've I've bordered on getting you know snow blind since I've, I've <laughs> the snow is now officially over Peanut's head. So, um, oh. <laughs> when we go for walks in the woods, this is true. It's sort of fantastic. She has to walk in my footsteps. <laughs> so I. <laughs> I wear I I wear really amazing snow boots that basically come up to my knees and gaiters and snow pants. I mean, it's just unbelievable up here. And for people yeah. who don't, just to visualize, I'm I'm in a house that sort of backs up into the woods, and then I can sort of just walk through the woods with Peanut. And uh, but now she absolutely she can't get out of my footsteps because she just <laughs> she would disappear. <laughs> Peanut, where have you gone? 
have to dig her out. So that's how much <laughs> snow is up here. But anyway, it's quite beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be returning to New York for that that very special New York version of brown and yellow snow. But <laughs> yes, I know it's not gonna it's not gonna be snow blind uh, white. But <laughs> but I, as a native New Yorker, I I have some affection for that brown and yellow right. snow. So today's episode was a conversation with a great. Mark Steinmetz, uh, how did you find the episode? Yes, uh, you know, in the in the beginning, when you ask uh, the artists about you know where they got to where they are, uh, Mark gives a, a pretty detailed answer, and yeah. um, you know, at one point he even says, you know, is am I going on too long, or, or is, is this too much, or something like that. But but um, it's really nice to hear everything all at once. Uh, you know, when when you when you follow an artist, when you when you're just interested in their work. Um, it's just nice to have that all in one place. I was I really enjoyed listening to that. Yeah, absolutely. No, that was really that was really wonderful. Um, yeah, I think it's a nice conversation. I mean, Mark is, you know, I think there's a lot of really good information in the conversation. Absolutely. You actually have a, a pretty interesting back and forth too about uh, how your work changes or how your work evolves or how you react to photographing in different places. And you know, Mark has this perspective as the person making the work, and you have this perspective as someone who enjoys looking <laughs> yeah, at the work. Was, and I think, <laughs> I think that's fascinating. Yeah, that was kind of funny. <laughs> I sort of, you know, basically imply that there's been a real steadiness to his work, but he really pushes back against that to a certain extent. I mean, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen to it. And you'll no, see how. I think that's. Yeah, it that's is. It's great. a really interesting yeah. moment. I really, I really love that. I, of course, at the end say something silly, but. Uh, I'm trying to tease out when he started sort of making more landscape work because I'm a huge fan of that work. And I sort of, I say something like, you know, seems like you started making more about 12 to 14 years ago. But the truth is that, you know, that's based on my experience with the work. So I was Mm. very connected to his work of people. And then I came to his landscape work later. But, you know, he's been making it for like 30 years (laughs) or something. So he's a little perplexed by that. And I, (laughs) sorry about that, Mark. But, uh, but anyway, it's, uh, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot in the episode. Yeah, no, it's just sort of like, uh, you know, you're looking at the work and and that's the way you sort of put it in your head. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, well, let's get to it. And thank you mm-hmm. so much, as usual, for hanging out with me. And um, if you don't mind, please take it away. Uh, my pleasure. And here's your conversation with Mark Steinmetz. Mark Steinmetz, welcome to the podcast. Thank, thank you. you for being my guest. And uh, yeah, so I always ask people to just give a little background info on themselves. So if you could just tell people a little bit about your journey to, you know, where you are today. Okay, well, where I am today is in Athens, Georgia. I'm in the studio of a place um, called The Humid, where I've taught some workshops with my wife, uh, Irina Rosowski. And I mean, it's a, you know, it's been a long life. So um, my mother was French, my father was Dutch. They moved to the States in the, in the 50s. And I was born in the early 60s in New York City. So I was there for a few years and we went to, you know, um, uh, the Boston area around Cambridge, Mass and then Newton, Mass. And then we moved to Iowa City, Iowa 
for junior high school and high school. Uh, so I feel like in Iowa I had sort of, you know, a real exposure to an American kind of high school and way of being. But the rest of me feels pretty European. Um, but I, I was always been photographing, and I think I was around 12 when I first set up my darkroom in, in Iowa City. It was sort of where the furnace was under these stairs in a little, in a little sort of closeted area. And uh, I mean, it was great. In those days, you could walk into a camera store and you could see everything that you would need. And, um, but anyway, the, the owner of the camera store came over and set up what I needed. And uh, so I was, I've been photographing and printing since like the age of 12. After Iowa City, I went to college out east, uh, one year at Middlebury and then the rest at Wesleyan. And then I went to the Yale School of Arts straight, straight out of uh, college. And that was, you know, maybe a little too soon, but I, I dropped out after the first semester to go to Los Angeles, um, which seems pretty extraordinary to me now. <laughs> but I, I met, uh, you know, Gary Winogrand and um, photographed with him. But I was I was 22 at the time. And I mean, Yale was, uh, I think, I thought at the time that I'd learned everything that I, I needed to learn that, um, you know, Todd Papageorge gave gave a great talk on Cardi Brisson. And uh, I learned about, um, you know, exposing and uh, developing the film properly. You know, it kind of felt good to go. But I, anyway, I was in, in L.A. for, for a spell. Um, I returned kind of just, just money was hard. I was doing um, assisting for like commercials, um, production assistant on some, some films. Um, I was taking slides for artists, uh, taking um, slides of their artwork. Then it's just been really roundabout. I, I went back to Yale. Uh, after Yale, I went to the Boston area and uh, worked as a commercial photographer, um, you know, a freelance photographer. I had a, um, a little card that said people photography. And um, this is so strange. This is my, like, my, my, my life in a nutshell. It's a, a little like a pinball um, machine. Then I go to Chicago, and I'm there for four years, and... And at these times, I'm working on, on bodies of work like that have come out in summertime or summer camp or the players. And I'd been doing a tiny bit of teaching in Chicago, uh, but mostly it was freelance photography uh, for uh, like Northwestern University or the University of Chicago and photographing their professors, photographing their events. But then I got a call late you know, I, well, it was in the summer um, to teach at the University of Knoxville, uh, Tree Place, uh, Baldwin Lee. And I went to Tennessee, and it was great. I really loved uh, photographing the South. And I was there mostly for two years. But at the, I just had a one-year appointment, and I, and I stayed there for two years. I uh, applied for a job at the University of Georgia, here in Athens, which I didn't get, but I, I was hired to photograph uh, or to teach for them in their studies abroad program in Italy. And um, then I had no place in Knoxville, and um, some friends from Knoxville were moving to Athens, Georgia. And so I ended up here, 
And I've stayed here. Oh, you know, the it's a good place to live. The housing market had always been um, very kind to artists. It's sort of changing now. And uh, that's it. Ta-da! Here I am. You know, but I've been leaving. I've I've left a lot. I've 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 taught in, uh, you know, at, at Yale a few semesters. I've taught at Harvard and Sarah Lawrence and. Um, and I've uh, just had reason to be in other places. Um, so I've been here most of the time, but I also take off. It's been sort of home base. So let me ask you, I, I don't know if you're going to agree with this uh, premise, but I think of you as a more personal photographer than Gary, than, than Gary Winogrand. And, you know, sort of less run and gun, you're making... Um, more of a connection with the people you're photographing is more of a sort of tacit understanding that you're taking their picture, mm-hmm. even if you're not hanging out and, you know, whatnot. But I wonder if when you were hanging around with Gary, were you aware of that distinction? And, yeah, I guess just how did you think about it? Because Gary was already sort of so, so much of a, a giant, and I know a lot of artists who were working, you know, particularly in New York, a lot of the gang that hung around with Gary. And a lot of them were making pictures in a very similar style. I think there are definite differences between them, but in a very similar style. But I don't put you in that group. So I'm just wondering, you know, assuming you agree with that, sort of how did you have, I guess, the confidence to just sort of know that that wasn't the type of work you were interested in doing well i i semi-agree with that uh first let me just say i deeply love his pictures and um you know you you talk about personal or it's it's not quite clear i think my pictures are more intimate there is a more you know a lot of kids and and there's there's a sense that they are you know not out in the street um but you know he really goes um he can you know somebody can flash their eyes and and he's got a picture and and it's just uh you go so deep into their uh i know their predicament and i think like my my pictures i'm not sure which books of mine you're familiar with there there's a series three books actually angel city west um yeah th- those are made in LA and it's a lot of it is, uh, you know, learning um, or walking in the footsteps of not just Gary, but Lee Friedlander, uh, Robert Frank. Um, I think there's something different about the pictures because I'm, I'm making them. And um, there are other things in the mix, not just photography. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hugely influenced by film noir, the films of Antonioni. Just many, many filmmakers. So let me just ask you, stop you there for a second, because uh-huh. so what does that mean exactly? Like, how does that, by the way, I mean, was it, you know, I was a filmmaker in oh, my previous I, life. I, I mean, I think, I think uh, mood mm-hmm. and I think for sequencing the books, I think it's very helpful to have, uh, to have gone over, you know, Antonioni movies and, and just, you know, gone over them uh, scene by scene, um, just very really slowly dissecting and just seeing how a movie is built. You know, you 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 begin at the beginning and you conjure up something. It's the same too with the film noir. They're uh, really well structured. Uh, so I learned a lot about structure through filmmaking, but uh, but also I think just 
mood and feeling. You're also talking about, I mean, Antonioni in some ways, you know, was sort of putting together almost still photographs to create. I mean, it's very mm -hmm. little mm -hmm. plot in Antonioni mm -hmm. films. I mean, they're really picture-driven, they're image-driven. Mm -hmm. Seems like a really great inspiration. And even, you know, the best film noir is, mm -hmm. is really visual. I mean, mm -hmm. you think about a film like Double Indemnity or mm -hmm. they're so driven by the lighting and, and how the lighting influences things. So, it, 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 you know, I understand what you're saying. It, it makes a, a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But back then, you probably weren't thinking so much in terms of books. So you must have, I mean, was there a narrative element that you well, were thinking I was about? Thinking of, I was thinking of, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, you're thinking about making uh, great pictures that can be, um, you know, stand the test of time and that, you know, maybe MoMA would, would uh, you know, shine upon or um, but take, <laughs> taking, you know, making books at that time was a real kind of a privilege that was sort yeah. of beyond me at that time. You know, n now it's, uh, you know, very easy to put together a book. Uh, you know, Dramat yeah. yeah, everybody has a software and, and um, you can yeah. self-publish. And in those days, it's like, you know, no way. You know, it's like you'd have to go through... You know, I mean, a publisher, and they'd have their agenda, and um, yeah, very, very, very different time. Um, books were few and far between, and you know, and most of them now they they weren't printed so well. You know, only the the ones that Richard Benson had a hand in were well printed. <laughs> yeah. Some some from, you know, some printed in Switzerland with gravure were you know, but it's like not they they weren't super great, at least not in the early eighties. I I think. Can I ask you, um, your work has always seemed really confident to me when I look at it from the early pictures to the work you're doing now. It almost feels like it has a, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it qu mm -hmm. quality, which isn't to say that it hasn't evolved, but I, I don't know, like I, I, you know, I work with artists and, you know, it's pretty unusual, right? Most artists, especially when they get in funks or if the industry isn't being nice to them or seeming to care, then they start tinkering. But I don't really see that with your work. So I'm just wondering like how you maintain that confidence when, you know, I think there, there was, seems like there was a long time where the industry was pointing in a different direction. And so mm -hmm. You know, how did you think about making work during those times, and how have you sort of stayed so connected to your compass and inner voice? I know people sometimes hate it when I use that phrase, but... Well, I don't know what to say other than, um, you know, I think I do have a strong sense of self. I have always been, you know, not, not totally left out of the dialogue. You know, there's always been something you know, a show here or, a, you know, a small grant there. But, you know, I just have a, an obsession and a love for it. So that's mainly it. And, you know, I don't really get swayed by other people and what they're doing. You know, it, I think early on I grasped that, you know, there are, there are fads, there are things that are, like, less essential and, and um, like, a lot of people gravitate towards that. And I... My question is more for them, like, why, why are you, you know, why does everybody follow a certain, um, 
I mean, people can be so swayed. I, I don't know. One thing that Gary, I mean, Gary, you know, his example was, um, I mean, he was totally, uh, I don't know, self-determined. He, he just said, uh, the world is full of seductions. To me, that meant, you know, like, watch out and don't, don't get sucked down them. The important thing is doing great work. And I, I think it, at Yale, you know, I was there for the first semester, and then I, I did come back. And, well, in college, it, I think it was great sitting around a table and reading classics, and you have a small group of people. And you know that, you know, here's some work done, you know, hundreds or thousands of years ago, and it still matters to people, and they're still discussing it intelligently. And, and then at Yale, you know, uh, you see the work of Cartier-Bresson or Auger, and it's kind of uh, discussed in a way that's rich. And, um, you know, so I just knew that it was possible, and I think that that uh, emboldened me. I knew that whatever I was doing, that there could be, you know, if I did it right, that there's a chance that it would be taken up and be seen and known in, in you know, in the, in the future. So I'm not sure what to say. I guess I've got some patience. I, I think I didn't have much of a choice either. It's not like I'm super gifted at, you know, promoting myself. But I, I mean, everything's been, been, been pretty good. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change uh, things, you know. When you're shooting, are you like, maybe it's different now because you have become really quite well-known. But, you know, I wonder like... How do you think about audience and, and viewers and when you're shooting? And do you think about them at all? Like who, who you, who's going to look at the pictures? Is, does, does that enter your, your mind? I, I would say not, not really. I guess I would say not really. I, I would like, you know, I send my books to some photographers. I want them to see it. Can you talk about who you don't have to... Well, I, I mean, I would um, send I would send a book to to Todd Papa George or you know Tom Roma. You know, I've got some friends from um, college. I would send books to. You know, I I, I sent some books to Peter Galassi the other day. Um, you know, I want some people just to, to see to see the work. Um, oh, I send books to Robert Adams. Did Peter put you in your first museum show? Was was that a MoMA? Well, um, it was actually Sarkowski who who bought the first prints, and I think he put. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and he put them. You know, then, then they were up on the wall at some point. I don't know who was responsible for that. And then I was in a new photography. It was a, a while back. It was Edward Robinson, who was the Newhall fellow at the time, who. Mm-hmm. Who, who managed that show. But I think it was everybody's decision at the time. That must have been thrilling. Yeah, that, that was. It was. Um, I, unfortunately, like at that time, I, I, I didn't have much money. And so I, I was, and I just moved to Athens. And I went up to the opening. And, you know, that, that was sort of it. I, I, then I came back down here and just was working. And uh, so I didn't really savor it. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see the show twice. I didn't, you know, pound the pavement. Um, I thought that things would open up more than, than they did, but, but uh, not, not really. Yeah, I always try and, you know, I don't know if warn is the right word, but anyway, let's just say warn. I always try and warn artists that to just be careful about those moments. 
you know, it's interesting because you said you didn't really savor it. And I, I, I do think it's super important to, to, you know, really be present and mindful in those moments when you have those little achievements and successes and people are patting you on the back and, and saying that they love what you're doing and doing a good job and, and to sort of sit with that because it's very meaningful, I think, well, but also I, to be careful. You know, I would be careful of, of wanting your, your, your back padded too, you know, like the same people, you know, you don't want to start pleasing people, you know, with your work and wanting to have the same outcome Again, or, or having that as a requirement for judging that your work is a success. No, I totally agree. I mean, I always think of the backpats as the ones that are meaningful as coming from the people you respect, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I've, I say this on the podcast and in life all the time that to me, success is, you know, having the people that I respect respect me. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I know for myself that when... The, the the achievements that have been the most meaningful are, are when that happens, when I, you know, when I get that respect from people I respect. But I, I do want to say that I think one does have to be really careful of getting on the sort of roller coaster ride. And that that can be, I think, really psychically harmful because the industry is very, you know, the winds are constantly changing and people, you know, and so I think a career like yours that's sort of very steady mm-hmm. is a really great career. And it, it's the type of career I think people should sort of try and point their career toward or how they think about it. So I, you know, to me, it, it makes the most sense. Let me ask you, how do you build series? Because I mean, I have a lot of questions about this with you, well, but well, I first, know that... Uh, first, let me just look at the word career for a second, you know, I mean, I, okay. you yeah. know, I, I guess in a way, um, there's no such thing as a career as a photographer, you know, and Winogrand was always, I mean, for what, like, what I do, you know, Winogrand was always saying, uh, how do you survive? You know, that's how he would frame it yeah and people like you know Richard Benson was at Yale and he made it very clear to me that there's no real relationship between financial success and quality you know that was his his take and yeah I I'm agree. like I'm like okay well you know so I think I think it's good to have um you know maybe uh well just knowing what's enough you know and then then when you have uh, you've agreed that this is enough and then taking satisfaction from that and um I think it's kind of this this word more that can get you into trouble. You know, I just have would have the word career uh, just a little bit maybe with quotes around it or in Yeah, I don't think of career as having anything to do with finances, but um oh, okay. if I did, I'd I'd, you know, I'd be in a lot of trouble myself. Um so let me ask you about about building series because you know, a lot of let's see if I can say this somewhat articulately. I know you'll bail me out when I start getting um, incoherent. But I know that your, you know, your books, some of the book titles are different than the titles on your website. So there is no 15 Miles to Cayville or Angel City West on your website. You know, you have, you know, early Los Angeles work. Mm-hmm. Some things obviously correlate, you know, South Central, Southeast, etc. But some things don't. And I think that to me, that connects a lot to the fact that, you know, I also don't think it really matters 
in many cases, where your pictures were made, right? Like the fact that South Central is Knoxville seems to me somewhat irrelevant, right? It's uh-huh. not really a, about Knoxville. Uh-huh. It's about just these moments, these moments with human beings. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, like, how do you use these sort of titles and uh-huh. and series? Like, is it parameters that just are helpful for, for books and exhibitions? Or, you know, sometimes well, first, it's really... The, yeah. the, you know, the website is... Um, you know, I'm. Uh, you know, maybe I need to update things now, <laughs> reconsider. I kind of have a horror of people coming to my work through my website or through the internet. I, I kind of like, you know, how wonderful it would be just to see the books uh, in their entirety, and that and that's just how you you approach the work um, from the get go. But, you know, I, I, I understand that it's all on the internet now. Maybe I just need to... Yeah, there are a lot of bodies of work that are not on, on, on the website. It's not... I guess I have a bit of a... Maybe I need to change my attitude about my website, make it a little more spiffy. I think your website is fine. I think it... I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm curious more about just organizing principles. Look, I mean, I think it's really clear with, like, Summer Camp or The Players, by the way, both books, bodies of work, I absolutely love. Um, Thank you. But I'm just thinking like, you know, in some ways, I'm trying to understand, I guess, what the organizing principle well, is for so, I mean, South, South Central, you know, they, it, the, the name comes from the South Central, um, South Central Bell. A lot of the pictures are made of people on pay phones. And yeah. I, I did want to avoid at Knoxville because I, it's, this is not Knoxville, you know, it's, um, yeah, but it is it is sort of I th- uh, a medium sized American city um, that doesn't have you know that's not Florida that's not uh, California you know that's not the desert it's it's it, it's sort of, it could be Omaha maybe it, I mean I think you could find these things in any medium sized c- city or even a larger city but just on some outskir- outskirts uh, so it is. And I, I wanted the title to be kind of useless that way and, and bureaucratic. And Southeast is, is sort of the same. It does point that it's in the South because that work has maybe more feeling of the South. There's a little more kudzu and, um, and it, mm-hmm. it, it roams around a bit. There's some from Mississippi and Louisiana. But uh, South, South Central was in a pretty concentrated period of time, um, 1991 to 1993. It was actually late 91 to mid-93. So something about like 18 months of work. And yeah. so I think there is something to, although some bodies of work like the players or summer camp are done over many years and greater Atlanta is done over, over many years. Um, yeah. I, I think there's something to just having a body of work that has the same kind of, you know, psychic mindset, um, kind of like the early work of Cardi Brisson. You know, it's wonderful to have that that book, that work gathered together and not spread out with his later pictures. Um, but all those were done with, uh, well, one maybe one was made with a Fuji six four five, but the rest were made with a Fuji six nine with, you know, one a ninety millimeter lens and. There might have been just a couple on a tripod, but basically the um, 
the way the depth of field is handled is the same. With southeast, it's it does shift because I've moved to to Athens, and and there there are younger people in that body of work, a little more countercultural, um, and also I'm using. Uh, it's a bit of a technical point, but I'm using a, a 75 millimeter lens on a six by nine camera with, um, you know, which is often on a tripod and there are pictures done of people by, by appointment. So it, it, it is a bit, it's different in spirit and in terrain. Can you talk about that, that change a bit? What, what was, what were you thinking when you started well, shooting? Well, I s- simply, simply, I, I thought I had done a great job in Knoxville, and, and now I was in Athens, Georgia, which is a very different uh, uh, town. And I was, you know, it's like I follow, I follow the energy. It's like all of a sudden it's just more, I'm more interested in, all these young people who are in rock and roll bands, and um, were you getting more comfortable with people, with interacting with people when you were making the pictures? Or well, in in Knoxville, I was there, and I came down from Chicago, and I I had uh, very few friends. I had um, some neighbors who were ceramicists in the uh, in the art department I was teaching in, and I basically hung out with them and. Other than that, you know, I was single and I had just all this free time. So, and it was my first foray into the South and it was a very different place. And then coming down to Athens, Georgia, all of a sudden it seemed like a very modern place. Um, You know, the kids here were very hip. And Knoxville is at the crossroad of highways and uh, railway lines um, there are a lot of transient people, and I photographed more hitchhikers, you know, in that in that book. And here it was, I don't know if I'm more comfortable, I'm just more, I, the only way to photograph what I was seeing was by, um, you know, asking people. I, I mean, my interest just, just uh, shifted. I wanted to look at, you know, younger people. There are a lot of women in, in the book, um, more so than in South Central. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds like you're just sort of, almost growing up and becoming more more confident but i'm i'm analyzing you i do tend to start psychoanalyzing people i'm talking to at I, a certain point um, i i don't know i mean I, I, I think uh i think um you know cardi brisson helen levitt photographed kids and, and i think in the 20s yeah. that's a very reasonable thing you know that's what you know well um yeah the people i was photographing you know most of them were like 10 years younger than me um yeah, yeah. Um, it was really, it's sort of like, I want to say, where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, I was seeing faces, I was seeing people, and I was more interested in them. And the only way to, to get my camera in the right spot was really to have, a, you know, to ask and, and make an appointment and, you know, take out, the, take out the tripod to really make the picture that I wanted to make. Uh, so it's sort of like I had a vision of what I wanted, and um, then I had to execute it. But there's a lot of other stuff. You know, there's kind of running around in that book. There's there are pictures from the road in that book too. It's 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 yep. it's a mix. So, um, in <laughs> I think I just heard, heard a dog bark. Yeah, there's a dog. Um, in the, there's a architect studio next to this, and they've got a dog. I'm a big dog fan. Um, <laughs> all all. All dog barking, good. Okay. So, so 
One thing that, that seems has come on strong in the past, you'll have to tell me because I don't know. I, I'm going to guess and say like 12, 14 years is the uh, landscape work. I'm just curious about, because I love your landscapes. I mean, some of my absolute favorite pictures are those really tender, beautiful landscapes that have some random animal in them. I don't know why I find those so heartbreaking, but I do. And I'm just wondering, you know, when you sort of what you were thinking about when you started shifting to, to doing more landscape work and, you know, how that felt to you and when you started and how it, how it feels to you now. Well, it's sort of interesting when I uh, look at early negatives from Los Angeles, there are some pictures of uh, trees and vines in there. So it was something sort of in the back burner for a long time. Mm -hmm. As I said earlier, I had been photographing in Italy a bit when I was teaching there for the University of Georgia, and we were in a very small town, uh, Cortona, you know, on, in Tuscany, in a, a hilltop town. And, and I, I went there first in 93, and then I was there in 96 and 98, and... Um, I've been photographing all these, you know, pictures in, in uh, Knoxville and, all, you know, driving around. And now I was in this kind of cute, picturesque town. And I couldn't really photograph, you know, the old people with their dogs. And just, you know, I tried to photograph the students a bit. But I, there were all these olive trees out there. And I really connected with the olive trees, just their, their um, calligraphic shapes you know, they, they just have the older ones are the, the wilder ones, and they have all this nervous energy. So I, and I had to keep photographing. So I, I just went down into the, um, down the slopes of these, um, from this town and photographed the olive trees and uh, did that more and more. And I, I took lots of pictures in Italy too. We would, we would go on the weekends to uh, places like Rome or Florence and uh, then I would just change my hat. I'd, I'd have the the uh, the Fuji, and I would I could speak some Italian to make pictures of people. And I love photographing in the cities there. That was that was great. And then I was teaching in other places in 2001 in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee, and uh, just beautiful countryside around there. So I'm not sure exactly which ones you're talking about. There there is uh, there were also pictures. Near here, just really a mile from where I live, uh, Sandy Creek, and those pictures I took, maybe coming a little bit from exhaustion, you know, I photographed a lot of people and America, and um, I just thought I needed to exercise more, and so I was, and you know meditating a bit and you know it's okay, so walks in nature, that's very good. So I, I walked in nature once and then, uh, saw so many things to photograph that I just came <laughs> back and, and and then I'm just carrying this tripod and going to the deep woods and but I'm I'm always interested in just trying out um, even though you've sort of said I've been steady but I like trying out different things like you know what kind of photographer would I be in uh in the woods or what kind of you know how would I be in in farmland right. and and uh, even a bit uh, there's been some travel traveling and so what can I do in you know in Bangkok or Shenzhen you know and we're in Kyrgyzstan you know and it's I I feel like I feel 
good about it. I feel like a world citizen. I feel like I feel like I can uh, respond to trees. Um, it's you know, I mean, there's some things I do, I've probably never photographed, and I just have no interest in. But um, there's a lot that that I am interested in, and trying to stretch myself. You know, I mean, one one thing just to keep quoting Winogrand. One, I I think it was very important all the things he said. One thing he said is. You know, like he praised Picasso. Picasso kept changing what he was doing. And, and he would say, you know, if you see something that looks like a picture, uh, don't take it. You know, um, he's always trying to, you know, lasso out and, and reach out for something a little more, um, you know, ineffable. And I think that's true. Like, you just, I guess I have a, a quick boiling point for being bored, you know, so I just don't want to be there and it's it's like uh, so don't be there don't do the same thing you know let me just uh ask you one last question is this been a meaningful life for you a life as a photographic artist uh i i i love my life i'm so happy with uh how it's gone i mean i think there's been a lot of um first i want to say um Getting older is wonderful, just whoever wants to hear that. Uh, I think you get, you know, more and more into your, um, you know, to who you are and you get freer. That's kind of the game, I think. Um, you want to maneuver yourself where you are, um, you know, uh, uh, just alive. Um, you know, when you're young, you think that, oh, my God, you know, I'm, I feel so much more than these older people, but it's not really... You know, it just depends on the older person, I think. But it's been everything. It's how I've shaped things. And um, I love doing it. Certainly it's been frustrating at times, and there have been fallow periods. Um, I was asked in a previous talk if there's anything, you know, that I could tell myself as a younger person. And, uh, you know, I really just drew a blank. I think you just have to go through everything. But... It's important to embrace your life, and patience is is really helpful. Um, well, I you know I agree on the patience thing, and I, I mean I, I personally agree with you know everything you you just said. And well, I, I I could say that you know like if you could take a pill, and by taking that pill, then you would know the decision to make in every moment. Um, I think your just life would be so boring in an instant, you know. So it's sort of, it's the not knowing, and the just trying to judge and just trying to navigate your feelings to find your way. Um, I mean, I think that's the, that's kind of the game of life. You know, meaning. I, I think meaning in life is just the meaning that you, you you bring to it. There are some things you you like, some things that are important to you, and. Um, you know, you focus on that. Um, I think trying to have a big meaning, like this is the meaning of life, um, is just sort of a trap to make you unhappy. Well, on that note, um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, why not? (laughs) Mark, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and please send Irina my very best. I think she's going to be talking to, having a conversation with 
my yeah, producer, Michael. So, so I think if I'm correct, you're, you're keeping the recording yeah, equipment yeah, I'm not sure for now. When, uh, um, I don't think they scheduled it, but um, yeah, I think soon. This is pandemic efficiency. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yes, please send her okay. my best. And, and thank you very much. Well, thank you, Sasha. Bye. Okay. Photo Work with Sasha Wolf is produced by me, Michael Chauvin Dalton of Real Photo Show. The executive producer is Sasha Wolf, and our theme music is by J. Walter Hawks. You can hear Photo Work on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts.